All right. Thanks, Scott. Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Jerry. I'm one of the pastors here at Northwest, and it is my joy to welcome you here on this Mother's Day morning. And to set the tone, we've got a little bit of a video here that we thought, uh, that we thought was funny and meaningful at the same time. So, uh, so go ahead and take this in. And we wanted to uh, show you that video just to kind of set the tone for the morning. Um, Mother's Day certainly is one to laugh and share memories um, for sure. And we'll have some of that this morning. But Mother's Day is also um, can be for some people a very difficult day. And we don't want to be the, the type of church that will have somebody get up here and all happy and jolly and, hey, moms, you're all so great and wonderful, um, without realizing the sensitivity that not everybody had a great experience with their mom. That, not everybody's mom is still with us. So we just want to take a moment and recognize um, that there are difficult times and difficult memories. And we just kind of crafted a statement that... As a pastor and as a staff and as a church, we want to be true and uh, validate what some may be feeling even this morning. So just, just listen to this. For those who have lost their mothers, we pray that today would be filled with happy memories of time well spent and that the void they feel would not be superficially filled, but rather the weight that remains will be evidence of the important part that that woman played in your life. We will stand with you, and we will cherish those memories. For those who have lost children, both unborn or born, we cannot imagine the grief that you feel. We can only cling to the hope that Jesus has them in his care and that you will see them again. We are deeply saddened that their lives were not lived out upon this earth as we would have liked, but we embrace the mystery and trust the sovereignty of God. We will grieve with you and ache with you, and we are excited for the glorious reunion you will have, and we will watch with joy. For those whose mothers were unkind, unloving, or left things unfinished, we will pray that the Lord will fill every void, speak truth over all the lies, and protect your hearts with all the love and comfort only a Savior can bring. And we pray that your life will somehow be a redemption of that which was lost. We hurt with you, and we will pray for healing. For those who have stepped into the difficult role of adoption and foster care as mothers, we are proud of you. We pray God's strength and endurance upon you as you face unspeakable weight of emotion and trust in this difficult endeavor. You are our heroes and a reflection of God's heart to care for the fatherless and the orphan. We will cheer for you and support you. And for those who have not yet had the opportunity to have children, we will stand with you and hold up your empty arms. We will hug those tired limbs, and we will pray that God will give you the desire of your hearts. And in the meantime, we will pray that God will allow you to reflect his caring and nurturing character to the many girls and boys around that need a disciple, a mentor, a friend, a mother figure. We will hope with you.
And for those blessed with a living mother right now, who right now have been given the opportunity to live another day, we will pray that you will take the opportunity to show gratitude, sincerity, and love from the depth of your heart. We pray that that relationship would be mended, new ground would be taken, and new depth of relationship reached, and that forgiveness and communication would reflect the commitment even that Jesus had to his heavenly Father. So we thank God for the gift of family, as broken as it often is. And our prayer is that this morning you would be encouraged, and that you would be invited in to the reality and to the brokenness, and that we would together find healing through God and his word. Amen? We're glad that you guys joined us this morning. What we want to do now is we just want to take a couple minutes as our ladies are coming up and getting situated for you to stand up, say hi to somebody maybe you don't recognize, and uh, we'll get back here with our service in just a moment. Well, welcome to Northwest, and this is a morning I've been waiting for for months. It's something that I'm really passionate about, and um, just am excited for this opportunity uh, to have this available and this experience for all of us. And um, my name is Becca Hines, and uh, I'm Jerry Hines's wife, the one that was out here. And uh, I just want to introduce myself and just tell you guys that um, as we've been just praying over this time of just vulnerability and like exposure of our weaknesses and our strengths or victories that we've had, I just wanted to kind of start out by saying any person really in this room could be up here today. That um, nothing about these women makes them special except for that they are all in different stages and seasons and that's why we've kind of chosen them is to give a broad you know, swath of um, experiences that we can pull from and hear from and learn from. And, and so we, I just wanna let you, you guys know that. But, Anyone that knows me knows that a mantra kind of of my life, and this came early on really in motherhood, um, what is truth is freedom and secrets are bondage. And I've said it so many times. I mean, my kids like roll their eyes, you know, when I'm like, you know, moms, you know, when you kind of say those same things, but um, I hope they remember it forever, right? Because there's so much truth to that statement of, that there's people in this room that maybe there's things you've never told someone. And we, and I believe that truth actually sets you free, right? We know that the word of God and the truth of the word of God speaking to us sets us free from uh, just whatever shame or guilt, and, and it should. Um, but we also know, and I think something that God's been just teaching me even just recently, is that the truth of other people can set me free too, that, um, that people being vulnerable and open about their story and their truth can also help you guys here this morning and, and me to be able to identify things and to also grow in my freedom, you know, because of other people being honest. So I'm so excited that you guys are here and are willing to do this this morning. And, um, and it was funny because Robin shared 
uh, first service a verse that um, Colossians 1.10, which I'm sure she'll share again about her prayer for her kids, but Colossians 1.11 um, was a verse that God kind of brought to my mind, which says, may you be strengthened in all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And I think that that's kind of um, something that as mothers, it's like, it's the long haul, you know what I mean? Like you're never not a mom once you're a mom. Or even if you're a mentor to somebody, right? Like we feel those emotions and you can't just stop feeling it, you know? And um, it's the long haul, it's the endurance, you know? And so um, anyway, I thought it'd be cool if we introduce ourselves and just kind of give the bullet points of motherhood in your life and kind of where your journey started, so. Good morning. My name is Debbie Lau, and I became a mother back in the ancient year of 1981, if you want to <laughs> do the math. Um, God blessed us with two sons first and then two daughters. Um, they were just a couple of years apart, each one of them, so it was very busy years, um, but incredibly blessed years. Um, in 2003, one of my big bullet points is that we got the word that my husband had a uh, fatal cancer, 90% fatal, mm. and um, I was 46 at the time, so that was a big deal um, in any time frame of life for that to have happened. Um, and I can honestly say that at that point, I, I truly had to cry out to God and say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because even though treatment was being done, there really, this was going to be a fatal cancer. Mm. <clears throat> and so 18 months later, he did pass away. And um, I knew, as many of you here in this room today have your stories that the reality of life is is at some point along the way maybe not the same story um, things are going to change life is going to change what you knew to be what your little family looks like or acts like or what they do how you are and change is good change is good even when it's this change because God defines good for us, doesn't he? And um, so I had to um, do what any single parent mom would do. Um, actually, when that happened, um, we had been married 26 years, and he was a pastor. And in that role, I worked right alongside of him, just kind of like what you see going on here in this church. And it was a blessing. It's what I knew to do. Um, it was my life and what I went to school for, and all of a sudden it was over because I was that woman, and that's what we did. You know, that's what my life looked like, so that wasn't going to look like that anymore. And I um, thankfully had a part-time job already that had started because we had kids entering college and that was necessary. And I went into the workforce then full-time, doing the single parent thing, and really the next decade of life was basically just watching and helping my kids grieve 
and also making sure that they were okay, as any mom does with or without that story, right? We just really are there to um, be their cheerleader, be their advisor, be their everything. Um, and I wanted them to be okay. Um, it was after that time, maybe 11, it was 11 years that I was doing that, um, that I, they were then married and establishing themselves. And so I was able to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do next? And not that there was any big change, but I just wanted to live a purposeful life. I didn't want to just work a job. And um, I always thought that that had to be a place to go to do that. And my pastor then said to me, Debbie, have you ever considered that maybe in this plan it's a person? And I said, ugh, I don't think so, because that's not really happening here for this girl. And he said, well, you just pray about that. And um, sure enough, as God does what God does, um, Ronnie Lau, who's part of this church, came into my life in a very um, unexpected way. And I am so thankful for that, because in that, um, God began to work in our hearts, because Ronnie has the similar story of Sue having passed away somewhat sooner, um, and we joined those two stories together. And it has been an incredible journey. I don't want to minimize the fact that that might not always be the end of the story, but God had it in the plan for us in his providence, and I am so very thankful, and it's been um, it's been quite a ride for the last two years, and we'll talk more about it. So just taking that picture really quick, just so you guys can all see. This is what, you know, she's talking about. <laughs> the um, Brady Bunch on steroids here. That's what I told her yesterday. <laughs> Isn't that great? Okay, Robin. Thank you. I love the story of God's faithfulness to you. Um, mine is a different story, but I want to start with that motherhood was very overwhelming to me. So kind of ironic that I'm sitting here on Mother's Day talking about it, but um, I moved here when my firstborn was two weeks old. She's going to be 18 this summer. And I moved here with not, not one friend and no family support. And um, I had become a stay-at-home mom, so no more going to be around other adults. And a husband that just started a job, and he was a pediatrician. He was also very overwhelmed with his job. And back in the day, I couldn't get a hold of him during the day unless I paged him 911, and I couldn't do, use that too much, or he wouldn't call me back because I can't, you know, you don't want to abuse that. So it was a very, very lonely time. It was a, I mean, I think motherhood is hard anyway in those early years, but I was isolated and alone, and for my personality, that was really hard. So immediately, my motherhood journey began with, began with a dependence on God. And then I, we were here about five months, still didn't have a church. Still didn't have family, still didn't have many friends, and I got pregnant with twins. So then um, my overwhelming became times three. So um, although I firmly believe children are a blessing of the Lord, I did cry and sobbed when I found out that I was having twins, and Jeff didn't speak, didn't speak in the room, didn't speak down the hall, didn't speak in the elevator, didn't speak all the way to the car, not one word, and then he got to the car and said, we're going to need a new car. That was the deep conversation that we had. So we were both overwhelmed, but I just want to tell you as I sit here that I have a 
18-year-old, soon-to-be, and two 17-year-olds, and God got, got me through every single day of motherhood, and he still gets me through every single day, and I don't stand here before you because I got it all together, and I know the answers. I stand here before you because God is faithful, and he has been there for me, and I have grown from early years to depend on him, and in the teenage years, I'm also doing that today. Good morning. My name is Angie Crystal, and my parenting journey began 17 years ago. Um, I have three children, Hunter, Courtney, and Graham. And this month, eight years ago, we moved to North Carolina. Um, and during that time period, the last eight years, life really changed drastically for us. Certainly not at all what I thought my parenting would look like. Um, you see this picture of seven, and um, God wrote a story that's very different than when I first told Hunter I thought would be. Um, my husband of 14 years left us, and shortly after our 15-year anniversary, um, I received um, divorce papers and became a single mom, which is never a description I thought I would have of my life. Um, I would say it was the most defining moment for me as not just a mom, but as a Christ follower, because similar to Robin's story, we had moved here for my husband's job, um, and I had no family, and my church family of 10 years, we had left, and I was very alone and suddenly responsible for every aspect of leading the three most precious gifts God could have given me. Um, but he was faithful. And um, if you know our story, you know that that man is my wonderful husband, Dan. And God has given me two more daughters, Jada and Jillian. And we are now, for four and a half years, a blended family of seven. So that's my story. So I'm Lauren Hyatt, and I am a lot earlier on in my motherhood journey. So you might be wondering why I'm up here, because I probably don't have a lot of wisdom to share. But um, this, for me, is a big day, because this is um, the first Mother's Day where I feel like I have something to celebrate um, for quite a few years. So um, five years ago, my mother lost her battle with cancer, and Mother's Day has been extra hard um, for those years. And, and then my husband, Dale, and I, you know, she passed away shortly after we got married. And a couple years later, we started trying to have a family. And, you know, another Mother's Day would pass, and I would think, maybe this is the last Mother's Day where I won't be a mom. And then a mother, another Mother's Day would come, and um, I still wasn't a mom. And so this day is now a day to celebrate because in November of last year, we got a call from a birth mother asking us if we would be the parents to her two twin daughters. So I have two seven-month-old daughters, Camden and McKinley, and they are one of the greatest blessings I could ever think of. And my mother journey uh, started in 2002 when I had Autumn. And she just turned 16 and got her license, which is amazing and hard because now my car is somewhere where I'm not and I don't have freedom to go wherever I want anymore. <laughs> but that's okay. 
Um, so, and then we had Caden and Maddie, and part of my story is I had five miscarriages in there, and um, that is inevitably the story of a lot of women here, and that's a journey that is difficult, and um, the highs and the lows and the, you know, so it's, it's, this whole element is a very deeply emotional, I mean, First service, we were already bawling at this point, so we're doing pretty good. We're holding it together. That's okay if we cry. But it really is, and you and anyone here, I think, I kind of said this at the end of the last service, but I want to say at the beginning that, um, you know, we all have mothers. So even the men that are here, you, you were like, oh, this is a day off from hearing truth, you know? It's like, no, we're all here, and we all, this applies to everyone here, you know? And so I just want to just challenge all of us to be open to what God has to say to us. Um, Lauren, going back to you, um, I know obviously you shared that Mother's Day has been difficult for you. It's difficult for a lot of women and men. Um, just speak to why and, you know, what are things that, um, you know, advice you would give to other people that are going through this journey of infertility or whatever and... And even if you can speak to, like, what should we say or not say? And there's probably never a right or a wrong, right? But just speaking to that a little bit. Yeah. So I think, you know, for anyone who's lost a parent, you know, every day without them is challenging. You know, you want to call them and pick up the phone and talk to them and tell them about your day. But I think Mother's Day especially just seemed to be such a huge reminder that your mom's not here to celebrate. And so for me, especially around Mother's Day, you know, going on social media or even opening up your email and it's, you know, telling you the stories like, oh, you need to get your mom this last minute gift. I'm like, well, I don't have anyone to buy a gift for. And so I just would try to avoid a lot of it, try not to check my email and not go on social media. Um, and even, you know, through our struggles with infertility, seeing, you know, I'm, of course, so happy for all of my friends who are getting pregnant. But there's still this little pit in your stomach going, when is that going to happen for me? And so I think, you know, my advice for people going through a similar struggle is just to give yourself grace, um, especially in a day like today. It's okay to be sad and it's okay to take a break from social media. It's okay um, if you want to cry, you know, but bring people into your journey, bring people into your story to share that with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest blessing for me going through, especially my struggle with infertility has just been, I have two of my very best friends went through it for four years. And so being able to just share with them and have somebody who's been through it before, um, because if you haven't been through it, it's, it's hard. I know you, most people go, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to fix it or um, what I can do to encourage you. And I mean, really, there's not a lot that you can say. You know, I think the biggest thing is really just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you because you don't know who's sitting in these chairs. Um, I remember for me, it was hard enough on Mother's Day, and I remember walking into church a couple years ago, and, you know, the pastor started out his message with, there's 85 million mothers in the world, and I just sat there, and I thought, well, I'm not a mom, and I don't have a mom, and 
I just looked at my husband and I had to get up and leave. And, and so just thinking through, you know, you don't know where people are at in their story. So just being sensitive to um, encouraging them where they are and meeting them where they are, I think is, is really important. And just, like I said, bringing that community in. Thanks, Lauren. Um, Angie, one of the things um, you, you know, you kind of talked about being a single mom and not having your husband there, maybe, you know, helping out as a spiritual direction or whatever too in the home, but just speak to that. Like, what was that and what would you just share about that unique part about being a single mom? Right. Well, the loss of a marriage doesn't just end with you as a spouse. Obviously, it greatly impacts your children. And I found that to be one of the most overwhelming aspects because as a mom, we kind of see our job to like gather our children and protect them, um, especially when they're young. We do everything in our power to keep bad things from coming into their lives. And um, Hunter was a fifth grader and Graham was in preschool and their hearts were broken. And so there were some really tough questions that came. And because we had raised our children in church, a lot of those questions had to do with God and how what we had taught them about him could possibly be true. Um, how could he be good? You say he loves us. You say he knows everything. If he knew this, why didn't he stop it? Um, deep questions that as an adult, I'm asking God myself and my kids are asking me that. And um, I will say that this book right here <laughs> was my sustaining fortress through this entire season. Um, I actually pulled the one that I used during that time of life leading up to this week and just read through the notes and the scripture that was highlighted and things that I claimed. And there came this day when I was reading the words of Jesus in John chapter 16. He told his disciples that he was telling them these things about him going away so they could have peace in him because they would have trouble in this world. But to take heart, he had overcome the world. And that was just so life-sustaining for me. I can just remember being like, okay, I was supposed to, I'm living in this world, we're going to have trouble, but he, he is over it. And so um, I made a commitment to God that I would continue to lead my children as if my husband was there, as if their father was there in the ways we committed when each of them were born. So in this house, he is no longer here, but I am, and I am going to point them to Jesus. We are going to be a part of a local body of believers. We are going to serve we are going to pray, we are going to talk about sin, and by God's grace, I'm going to teach them what his word says. And um, yeah, that's what I did. Thanks, Angie. Um, Debbie, so you are a grandmother to a lot of grandbabies, as we saw, and um, but you had the single parenting part, and you've just had a long, extensive journey um, of just those different you know, seasons of being a mom, a grandmother, a stepmom, you know, and all of that. Um, can you just speak to um, maybe giving words of advice to grandmothers 
or to like if you had those words of advice for some other younger moms too. I remember saying to my children when our world turned upside down, um, this is really hard, isn't it? You know, this is like the worst thing ever. It really is. But I wanted them to understand at that time that this wasn't the only thing that would happen in life, that there would be more things that would come along their journey as well as my journey and that we needed to um, live this out. Just like, you know, Becca said at the beginning, we are not special by having bullet points in our story. Everybody has those and people are dying as we sit here every minute. We are not special, but what I told the kids is we've been given something mm -hmm. that was entrusted to us by God, by a holy God, a heavenly father, who knows us better than we know ourselves, And that's what we're gonna live on. And one of the things that Paul told me before he went to heaven was his greatest anguish was that he would not be here for us. You can imagine, right? A father feeling that feeling, or a mother. And he said, honey, I believe you're gonna be okay because you have the Lord, and I want you to promise me one thing. I want you to promise me, because I know you so well, I want you to not go on your feelings, but I want you to go on truth for the rest of your life with these kids. And I agreed, but I didn't you know, know what that was gonna look like. I knew what it felt like, but I didn't know what it was gonna look like. I didn't say this in the first hour, um, but I will, I feel the Lord leading me to say it in this hour because of our young people sitting here. Um, I wish I could say it was a pretty picture and the tears are for the children. My boys and my girls, they struggled like any family that goes through this, but they made poor choices, the boys. And some of them were pretty severe, and it set us humanly back for a while. And um, God was faithful, as Robin shared, and we watched God redeem the difficulty that we were in. And so I just want to say that um, as a mother out here today, um, the most important thing I, I do want to say, because I'm not living these aspects now, I've, I have done them, and you will live to tell about it, they will too, um, but there's a godly model, a biblical model given to us in the Bible, and that's God first in our life, then our husbands, and then our children. And I want to, that's real simple. And that's not mine. That's God's model for us. And um, going along that aspect of going on truth, the verse that I want to read to you is from Psalm 8611. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. 
And for me, what that undivided heart is saying in that, to me, and I hope it can speak into your situations today, is as a young mom, a middle-aged mom, a grandmom, it, it, the truth doesn't change. Put, put um, God's word at the top of your life before the apps, before the workouts, before the whatever's out there that is important in this day and age. Not that those things are not important, they are. But be a God-centered mom. A gospel-centered mom is what I meant to say. A gospel-centered mom is one who depends on God and not herself because stuff is going to happen. So if you are in the practice of depending on God not yourself, having an undivided heart. That means like, God, I could waver over here and think the worst of what happened to my boys and be so afraid, or I could worry about my girls and how are they gonna do with no father influence in their life? What am I gonna do? That's, that's a divided heart. That's an untrusting heart. Mm -hmm. the, and then the second thing is, I wanna just say this as an as a older woman, um, Live, live cherished. That is silly, maybe, sounding, I don't know. But um, I married a man who can give any man out here um, lessons on how to cherish their wife. Not kidding. So you can sign up with Ronnie Lau after the service if you need help with that. But I live today, and I did with Paul as well. I live as a cherished woman. That means that I am secure in the fact of the love of my heavenly father, number one. Mm -hmm. And because of this man, I am able to live secure in his love. We haven't fought yet, two years into it. I don't know if we will, because you know what? We already did all that before. <laughs> and the things that were important while we were raising kids and going through the, you know, the mess of it all, doesn't quite seem so important anymore, you yeah. know? And so now here we are. Of sure, we all probably not see eye to eye on everything, but um, all I want to say is um, live as a cherished woman. If, if the marriage isn't going great right now and there are struggles and you can't fix it and you're a woman here today is just crying out to God about that, a, a model, again, is that we live cherished by the Heavenly Father. And I believe that that changes our perspective on the injustice or the wrongs that are coming in from the other. And God knows that, and he hears the cry of your heart. It, it isn't just a magic wand and like, if you, you know, two Bible verses and see me in the morning kind of thing. But if we believe that, it changes our perspective. And that's half the battle. It really is in something that's, diff that's difficult. And then the God, um, husband, children, um, pay attention to the years you have been given with them, mom. We have, we experienced that personally as a family, the years that we were given. We didn't know it was just going to be 20, you know, six years for me and whatever the kids were, the kids were 15 to 22 when Paul passed away. Um, so I think as a church family this year, we've experienced the fact that we have to pay attention to the years that we've been given with these young people. Mm 
um, because we just don't know, do we? And I don't say that to be morbid, but it's, it's a perspective giver, yeah. and, and it's important. Now, the last thing, because I'm not going to talk again, is um, grandparenting. And I just had to write this down. I see so many grandparents, and I'm, believe me, I am not a, a, not a professional on this. We just have, you know, the stero grandparenting on steroids with our Brady Bunch here. Um, we have 12 kids because I have four, he has two. They're all married, so we have 12. And they have given us 13 so far beautiful grandchildren. Um, we only have experience in numbers, not in years. <laughs> but um, let me just say, I see a lot of grandparents trying so hard to the be all, you know, be all, do it all, pick up everything, you know, almost um, enable their children because they see how hard this is through every phase of life. And, and I am so thankful for children who have given us the permission to just love their kids in life. We are not their, you know, their full-time caregivers. We are not their, the ones it's where our, our total responsibility to guide them. So the way I say this at this point is, as grandparents, we aren't here to reparent these children. You all are doing a good job of that. You're doing it in a learning way. My job is not to reparent them if I don't think it looks so good on this side of the story, you know, with all of our experience. Um, we're just here to be grand, right? Grandparents. And I, I think of our, our historic Israelites. Uh, as we just studied in women's Bible study this winter, they set up those stones as they crossed the Jordan. And... They, Joshua told them, tell them about what those stones represent, each one of them. And every time they went to battle to conquer the promised land, they came back to Gilgal. And at Gilgal, they saw the stones, the altar that had been built. And it was a beautiful thing. And there they, they wept. And there they prayed. And there they cried out to God. And they, they talked to their generations of what God had done. And that's what I'm supposed to do. That's mom, dad, grandparent. What we're here to do, yes, more than anything, is give that legacy. And also to pray. Pray them through this life. If you don't pray for them, I'm guaranteeing you these moms are very busy. They may not always get to pray it all out other than the cry of help during the day. Help me, Jesus, right? But as grandparents, we are in a very unique, precious role to just do more than that. That's all. Robin, you've already spoken to that you have three teenagers, very close together in age. Uh, can you just speak to just that unique period of raising kids, um, specifically with so many other influences in their lives? Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> um, I want to start with a verse that I chose, and I want to pray over my kids, but um, it's Colossians 1.10. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. I think when they're younger, you're wanting them to put their faith in Christ for salvation. 
and that's so important and I mean that that's a wonderful thing and after they have then it's about living their faith out and that is hard that's hard to do and especially in this world I feel like um you know, my kids can actually find the answers to any question. I mean, they can Google literally any question, find the answers. And that was different. That wasn't the case when I grew up. But what they can never find on their iPhone is spiritual wisdom. And so we have a really, really important role, the church as a whole and us as parents, because you cannot find wisdom um, in the world. True wisdom comes from fear of the Lord, and that's where that's where it is. So, how do we teach spiritual wisdom? You know, we've all talked about it. I think is is the Bible, the knowing the Word of God. That is the foundation. Um, teaching them biblical views on social issues, which right now are really really unpopular, but standing on them, not watering them down, not not mincing words. I mean, they are God's standard. Um, teach them to biblically reason through life situations because, you know, sometimes these situations come and there's biblical principles to guide us, but it's a little, oh, it's a little hard. It's, it requires talking, praying, listening, thinking. Um, it takes time to do that. Um, teaching them why behind your family choices for spending money, time, entertainment especially. I really want to challenge my kids. Okay, do you think that's a good idea to watch that? What does that desensitize you to? Um, what are you devaluing relationships or marriage by, by laughing at those jokes? Or are you getting um, devaluing life by the violence? Like, I want them to think through what they're, what they're seeing. And I want us all, I want to do that myself. Um, and maybe the main one is teaching them that there is an objective truth outside of my opinion. Um, and it is the word of God. It, you know, I, I, as I said before, I am full of opinions. But... Um, Honestly, I want them to not value my opinion as much as they value God's word, and that's the standard, even if we disagree. And as they get older, I'm less and less uh, a voice in their life as other people become more and more. So that's where student ministry has been really important to our family, and I love that setting because they hear truth, they hear application, then they're broken up into small groups to really wrestle that out. And I'm not sure where else you get that opportunity. You know, I'm a wrestler of truth in life group. If you, if you talk to anyone in my life group, they're like, oh, yeah, she'll be asking the questions. Um, because I, that's how I learn, and that's how I grow, and I, I challenge, and I dig deep. And I want them to have that opportunity. And I'm not really sure where else you would get that. So I love that we have leaders here that spend their free time on a Sunday night pouring into them. And, you know, we had a challenge with one of my children. I'll probably say a name and not mean to, but whatever. Um, and we were really wrestling with something, and he, he was not, okay, not buying into our plan. Um, and so it was really difficult. We had very, very heated discussions over time, and we were challenging him, you know, if, if you say you're a believer, then your behavior needs to line up with that. And, um, and we were challenging him, well, you know, it wasn't going anywhere. So he went to youth. He asked Adam to drive him home on his own accord. He poured out his heart in a situation to Adam. He came in. He asked to talk to us. And he, he had made some decisions with Adam's help that were really encouraging. And I thought, wow, what a blessing that he had that person to ask, that he chose to, it, to ask. And um, that's a blessing I don't want my kids to miss. And do they always want to go? No. Do they always feel part of the social scene there? No. 
but it's not really the social scene. I mean, I love fellowship with believers, but even more than that, it's the, it's the wrestling of the word and the relationships with other people that will speak truth to them when they need it. That is invaluable to our family and a standard that we have. You know, speaking of, you know, your kids, they're all in competitive, you know, sports and, you know, doing different things like that. Um, and we're in a very competitive academic area, right? Um, and even just in our society in general, right? It's all about, or you know, comparison and being whatever on top. Um, speak about just as a mom, how you kind of journey through that and then, you know, dealing with your kids being defeated or losing or not winning or whatever. That's a really hard, that's been a hard one for me because I don't like my children to be unhappy. I mean, that's maybe a basic tenet of motherhood. I don't know. But, um, but yet I know in my own life that suffering and trials have produced fruit in my life and have made me realize my identity in Christ is not my achievements. But somehow it's, it was like a disconnect with my kids. Um, so the verse I have for that is Romans 5.3. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So I'm like, I want them to have endurance in the Christian faith. I want them to have character. And if that's God's economy, I don't know why, that it has to come out of suffering. I need to buy into that plan. And that has not been an easy thing. Again, I don't have time to learn something and then practice it on the next kid. I am like <laughs> learning and doing it at the same time because they're all the same age. And we do have... Um, we have three that are the same age, which has some competition in itself. So I am learning to see their wounded spirit and their struggles in a very different light. So I was just going to say some of the things that, that we've cha been challenged with. Um, I'm not liked or I'm not popular. I sit at the not popular table at school. You know, I'm, I'm not rejoicing that that is the case. But you know what? I'm learning to change it. I'm learning to say popularity sometimes comes at a price. And I'm glad you're not... I'm glad you're not paying it, and I'm glad you're not compromising. Um, and it gives me the opportunity to reinforce that they are loved by God, who their true identity is as his child. Um, when their heart is hurt over boyfriend, girlfriend, or boy-girl relationships, they're not going as expected. Uh, it's an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? We look forward and want to protect your, your future marriage. That is, that is our goal, to have a marriage that's based on serving God together, and that is so worth waiting for. Um, I have no idea what to do. I'm completely overwhelmed. That seems to be like a little theme going on. Um, but to pray, to lean on your faith. I'd also, I'm overwhelmed, and I don't know what to do a lot. And so I, they need to see me doing it, and I need to tell them. I don't even, as your parent, have all the answers. God alone has the answers, and we need to seek him. Um, I'm not achieving. I'm not good at this. Again, a lot of pressure with sports in, in our society that we live in right now in Cary. And again, an opportunity to focus on your identity in Christ, that God looks at your um, heart, and man looks like that word of appearance. Broken over sin is an opportunity to learn how God's amazing grace is and to appreciate what Christ has done for each of us. So I, like, I know those in my adult world, but it's been very different to apply them to my children because we have a lot of ups and downs. Ah, the teenage, you know, everybody's not happy at the same time very often. And so the mom then is absorbing that kind of emotional hurt. But I, I am rechanging my perspective to see these as God-given opportunities to speak truth. 
Thank you for that. Angie, uh, with just the unique challenges and victories, like can you share some of the challenges and victories that you've had um, in having a blended family and um, just what scriptures have you held on to in that journey? Yeah. So obviously we know that God's design for a family is not that divorce would have happened. I mean, his first plan is that it would be a mom and a dad and their children. But we also know that God is a God who redeems. And I think um, what my heart has come to embrace and lay down and just trust is that although this story is not what Dan and I wanted, um, God is redeeming and he is restoring and he is renewing things that seemed lost and broken forever. Um, the challenges are many. I mean, we're raising five teenagers and trying to build a marriage. And so all of the normal things you would face in parenting, we're now facing, but with um, kids living between two different houses and um, just some heartache and things that can come. And it's definitely overwhelming and challenging and constantly changing. Um, I would say even this year, you know, God has allowed some things um, into our lives that we didn't expect and that have certainly broken our hearts and caused us to lean more into him. But um, God gave me this this week as I thought about the victory. What could I share that we've been victorious in? And he just said, Angie, you haven't seen the full victory yet. I am still writing the story. And um, that's true for all of us here. Even if your family's not broken, you may be facing things with your kids that have broken your hearts. Um, and that's so encouraging because he's always working. He loves them more than we do. Um, he has a plan for them. He knows their greatest needs. Whatever my five kids may be facing, I may think I know what they need, but he knows them. He created them before they were even born. He knew every day that would come into their lives. And so the verse I began praying when my husband first left, these verses, and I still pray now, are found in Psalm 90. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. And for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And I just take that, I fall on my knees and I pray that prayer over our lives and then I get up and I go back to work because the story is not over. Amen. Wow, thanks Angie. That's powerful. The victory is still coming. Yeah, love that. Lauren, um, just speak to, obviously you have two little babies just starting out. Um, what are some of your fears and you know anxieties or maybe even just ways that the enemy sometimes speaks to you or some scripture? Yeah, so I think, the challenges that I have are not new challenges. I think they're just amplified, especially when you don't get sleep and when you're now <laughs> responsible for two human beings. Um, but I think the two things that I struggle with the most is just worrying and comparison. And I think you don't have to be a mom to struggle with those things. So um, 
you know, but when you become a mom, you worry not only for yourself, but now for your children. And so, you know, you worry, are they, are they eating enough? Are they eating too much? Are they sleeping enough? Are, should they cry? Like, if I don't feed them only organic food, are they going to turn out okay? And so there's like all these thoughts. And now with Google, I mean, you can search anything and find an opinion on anything. And so just trying to give that over to God. Um, you know, he talks about it in Matthew and in Luke, how he compares us to the birds. You know, if he takes care of clothing and feeding them, how much more does he love us and care about us that he's going to take care of it? So worrying is not of God. And so just trying to daily give that over to him um, is something that I'm working through. Um, and then just, we live in a society of social media. And so especially being a new mom. I mean, my posts, all my social media is filled with these products you need to buy and my friends who are using these things and that and, oh, their kids look so perfect and cute and whatever. And, um, and so thankfully, we're actually not able to post on social media until our adoption is finalized. And I think that's actually been really good for me because I don't take pictures thinking, oh, I need to get the perfect picture so I can post on social media. I'm taking pictures because I want to remember these moments and, and thinking through that. And so I know that I'm definitely a people pleaser. And so just being faced with everyone else's highlight reel on Instagram and Facebook um, is something that, especially as a new mom, I struggle with. So um, one of the verses that I have found to be really encouraging is, for I am now seeking the, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that's Galatians 1.10. And so when I read that, I was like, ooh, that is that kind of hits me because I am such a people pleaser. So just reevaluating why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Am I posting on social media so that I can get more people to think I'm cool or get more likes or whatever? Am I buying this outfit because I want someone to give me a compliment? Um, so just being able to wrestle with those things, but um, also bringing people into the story. I talked about that earlier today in my struggles, you know, before kids, but now you know, motherhood is hard and they talk about how it takes a village to raise children. And I am so thankful for the village that is Northwest. And um, you guys might know that as young moms, they have something called the village. And so I joined a tribe and Becca is actually my tribe leader. So she's awesome. Um, but I think it's been really great for me just to get um, a chance to be open and vulnerable and honest. I mean, Literally the first time I joined, I think we talked about stuff that I like haven't even talked about with some of my best friends. So I'm like, oh, we go deep real quick. Um, but having that community um, to be able to be vulnerable with has been something that's helped me get through the tireless nights and just um, some of those things that I struggle with as a new mom. So whether you are a mom or a dad or a kid or a grandparent or what, whatever your stage of life is, I think that's something that's so important is just to bring people into your life and, and have that community around you, so. Thank you. And thank you guys. Um, this has been just so great and encouraging and I hope that it has been encouraging to you guys and I think you know, something is when I'm always sitting here listening to everyone, I know I do it. So I'm, I'm sure some of you out there are doing it too. And I just don't want to give um, 
Satan a place in any of your hearts right now with lies that he's causing you to think about or wish you were something different. Like, I think it's easy, right, for all of us here, like, we're not giving you all the good and bad and the ugly, and we say, oh, I go to the word of God for this verse of scripture. Well, yeah, sometimes, but there's a lot of other times that we don't, you know what I'm saying? And and I think that we just really want um, the reality of you guys being able to sit here and be encouraged and know that tomorrow is a new day, you know, and that nobody, God is always about redeeming relationships and, and stories. And so it's like, you know what, maybe this morning um, there was things that were said that the Holy Spirit is speaking truth into your heart about a challenge, right? But it should be with the encouragement that that we're here as a body to encourage each other to take those steps together, you know? So we really don't want anyone to walk out of here with a spirit of discouragement or frustration about, oh, I missed all those opportunities, now my kids are, and you know, that's not of God. We just know that and believe that. So um, we just want you to know that we love you here in this place and we're excited about just always moving forward and growing. And so um, I'm just gonna pray over all of us this morning and just to close out. And God, we, uh, we know that you're here with us and we thank you for that. And we're just thankful, God, that um, you've given us the days that we have here on earth and we know that they're numbered, God. And, we know that we never know uh, what tomorrow holds. And so, Lord, I do pray that today can be the day where, um, you know, we grow and that there's changes that are made and where, where we see um, things that maybe we are struggling with. Lord, we know that some of those dark places, you want to shine your light into those and you want truth to be able to be spoken into some of those dark, um, lonely places where we've isolated ourselves and, and maybe been alone. And God, I just pray this morning for over these moms um, that are here that you would just speak your truth about that we're worthy, not because of things that we do, God, but we're worthy because you gave your son Jesus and, and have redeemed us. And so, um, God, we pray over uh, just men and women alike that have relationships with their moms that have been great or difficult. And God, we, we know those things. And so we pray that there can be um, just a peace that can wash over them on today, um, a day that can be hard for so many. But God, I pray that we would also be able to just today live rejoicing and um, in your plan for the family and for um, the family and for the gospel going forth through generations and generations through the family. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross and for the freedom that we can receive from it. And um, I just thank you for each of these women that are up here that have been so vulnerable and shared their stories. And I just pray a special blessing on them today. Uh, and just thank you for this time of worshiping together. In your name, amen.